And this series, Dream House, is what I would call a Building Lives series. For many of you, it's not groundbreaking. It's not rocket science. You're familiar with the territory uh, we've been through. And for those of you, again, for the first time, we're in part five. We've been going through the five love languages. It's familiar territory. If it is unfamiliar to you, the love languages are a way of equipping us to love others well. To love others well. And I, when I talk about relationships, I haven't done it yet in these past four, but I realized for me, relationships, this isn't going to sound very spiritual, but it is, relationships are transactional. I want you to think about that. Relationships are transactional. They require a deposit and they require a withdrawal. Deposit and withdrawal. Your bank account just so happens to require the same things. To keep going, to stay functional, you have to, how many of you know? Deposit. All right? And you spenders, you love the next part. You make withdrawals. Cover bills, cover needs, cover wants, cover trips, cover vacations, and take care of responsibility. Well, relationships are the same way. One of the things I've noticed, I've even seen this in my own life, withdrawals can be a little easier at times. When times of stress, great difficulty comes along, we begin to make withdrawals. Love languages, and this series, hopefully, has equipped you on how to make deposits in your relationship. Just think about that, how to make deposits in your relationship. If I was to, I left my, my wallet isn't on me, don't go anywhere. It's upstairs, and that's all I'll say. All right. <laughs> if I was to open up my wallet and begin to give you money, just see the visual with me. It's very simple. I'm depositing in your life. I have love to give my spouse, to give my children, to give my family. It is love and to give you. It's depositing. 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 When life comes along, Sometimes there are seasons we have to make a withdrawal. And what am I doing? I'm pulling from you. I'm pulling from you. If we're not careful and aren't very strategic and intentional, we can live a life that's based on withdrawals. It's not like we knowingly went into a marriage just wanting to be the withdrawal guy or the withdrawal gal. But over time, we begin to take those closest to us for granted. We have to be keen on the words of Jesus in John 13. You know the words of Jesus in John 13? There's a few verses, 33 through 35. And Jesus changes relational game forever. We're 2,000 years removed from it. And we live in a society heavy influenced by the words of Jesus and Christianity. So we kind of take it for granted. But it was groundbreaking in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. People will know you're my disciples by your love. What's funny is, it could be so easy to live that in our work environment and to come home and throw that out the window. 
<laughs> so we deposit into all our, our co-workers. We deposit heavily into our business or our business dealings. We deposit into all sorts of curriculums or activities or community life. And then when we get home, it's like, ooh, we got nothing to give. And I remember as a young adult, early in ministry, early in marriage, back then I didn't handle stress. I wasn't as blessed as you are. I didn't handle stress the best. And I remember our pastor had a life coach. These were kind of new back then. He had a life coach in his life named Chip. And uh, Chip would fly in and meet with my pastor and his wife. And then our pastor would be so gracious, he would send out some time slots. He said, any of the staff want to meet, sign up. And, uh, you know, us men reluctantly said, this will look good, you know, and signed up, you know. And so I'm meeting with him and we're talking and I'm just, just pouring out my heart, telling him, you know how when you're in your 20s, you know, everything's stressful, right? I mean, the weight of your world. Some of you live life a little longer, you're like, looking back like, wow, that was easy. <laughs> oh, the joys. Well, I was there and I'm feeling the weight of it all and all this. And, my, and Chip, Chip looks at me, he said, Paul, I want, I want to change the game for you. I said, mm, don't do that. Don't make it uncomfortable. And he said, I want you to think about something. I want you to envision life this way. That, yes, you go to work, you work hard, you work very well, excellently, do all these things, make sure everything's covered. But when you get in your car, I want you to make a mental shift. I want you to pretend you're headed home to your full-time job. It was what I needed to hear in the moment. And what was he saying? He was saying, don't give everybody else the best of your life. Love your wife well. Love your family as that comes along well. That's an expression of our maturity in Christ. And it changed the game for me. Another curriculum that came along my path as well were the love languages. And they've just been so practical. The five love languages are quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, and today's physical touch. If those five love languages were all wired differently, but we're all wired to receive love, typically in, in those five ways. Some people came up to me after service last week and talked about how receiving gifts was their number one love language. If you look at the percentiles, it's a free test online. FiveLoveLanguages.com. You can take the test. Free quiz. You'll find out yours and your spouse or your dating relationships. You can begin to understand. And receiving gifts. I was like, well, that's fantastic. Receiving gifts on mine. This doesn't mean don't, your pastor doesn't love gifts. Please, I love. Christmas is coming. No. But for me, it was, it was lower on the totem pole. That's a beautiful thing. All of us have been wired uniquely and differently. My responsibility is to love those closest to me well. Your responsibility is to love those closest to you well. Sometimes, sometimes in our marriages and in our parenting, it can get, uh, I don't want to say easy, but we can begin to look to the right or to the left 
and think, wow, it sure is easy. They seem to have it easier. They seem to have it a little more simpler. First off, that's not true. You don't get to see how they're functioning all the time. But one thing that maybe is true in their life is they've learned how to receive and give love appropriately. The learning curve for some of you is large. <laughs> it's, it's, it's requiring levels of intentionality you didn't know it would require. Parents, you have that child where the first one received in one way, well, they just got all mixed up and this child receives love in a different way. You may be in a relationship now where a previous relationship, they had other things that they needed and desired. It's our responsibility in the season we're in to know well those around us, to love and to care for them and to treat them respectfully. I always, I always think about, you know, love languages, here's what they do. They unlock potential. I'm a bit of a, a sports fan. It's just most likely not the sports you like, and I apologize up front. In the sports I like, they happen to have the longest season of any sport. It begins in August, and it ends in May. It's called football, or soccer, perhaps, is how you've heard it. And here is something that is inevitable. In the month of January, coaches, or managers as they call them, always change. Always change. If they're not doing a good job, they just shift them out. Or sometimes a manager that is doing a good job is given a buyout clause, given a lot of money, and he just shifts. One of the remarkable things when I think about unlocking potential, opening potential is, he, the new, or she, will move into the new team. And a team that is the bottom of the table, they've got the fewest points accrued. All of a sudden, with the new manager, his new way of communicating, his new way of bringing in analysis, his new way of preparing. It's the same team. But his communication and preparedness is different. And it unlocks the potential. Five love languages did this for me. My wife will tell you, I am the same person she married 15 years ago. But after the love languages, I'm the same person, but my way of communicating changed. It unlocked unknown potential in our marriage. We began to cultivate a friendship. You know, they say the two become one. The two become one. You know, that doesn't happen just when you sign a marriage license. It's a journey to becoming one. It's a mirror image of the covenant of God with us, right? In Christ, we're becoming one with God into Christ's likeness. The same happens in our marriages. The same happens in, in obviously not in the same covenantal sense, but in another, another sense with our kids. We have to learn and be responsible. And let me tell you right now, it is worth it. If we were to do an autopsy, which we will not be doing today, but if we were to do an autopsy, of a family that is cold, a family that no longer communicates or cares or is absent of joy, 
They're just busy, consumed, exhausted, angry with one another. And you can go in the home, and though they have everything, you just spend a meal with them thinking, I am on eggshells. If you were to do an autopsy of that family, that marriage, of that friendship, one thing is true. They no longer know how to receive and give love appropriately. They're consumed with themselves. Now, there's all sorts of reasons as to why we don't give and love appropriately. Can I give bitterness a shout out right now? I see you, bitterness. I see you, anger. I see you, fear. All sorts of different things, but if we're not careful... It's one of the ways the enemy works to sow discord, disunity in our lives. To love well, to honor God, to live according to his pattern and plan for our marriages, for our families, it requires great level of intentionality. There's no punch clock. (laughs) I don't even know if those are around anymore, but there's no punch clock on relationships. They require great levels. I've lived it. I'm not just... Speaking to you, I've had a journey and live through some of these areas and patterns of unhealth. So, you're welcome. 15 minute intro, 10 minutes left. Let's go. (laughs) I'm going to pull like Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages. Four languages, man, page upon page. When it comes to physical touch, he's like, blip, blip, done. I think because we all understand it pretty well. But I want to paint a picture to you. When physical touch is at play in the marriage, it is. There is a cup that is being filled. Physical touch is a tool. It's It's an expression. It's the way we can communicate love. It's just as valid. It's just or needs to be just as valued as any of the other love languages. Let me bring up this quote if the team in the back can. Gary Chapman says in the love languages, this is a quote, this describes physical touch. He says, whatever is of me resides in my body. To touch my body is to touch me. To withdraw from my body is to withdraw from me emotionally. In our society, shaking hands is a way of communicating openness, and social closeness to another individual. When on rare occasions one man refuses to shake hands with another, it communicates a message that things are not right in their relationship. All societies have some form of physical touching as a means of social greeting. The average American male may not feel comfortable with the European bear hug, amen, and kiss. But in Europe, that serves the same function as our shaking hands. Physical touch, first thought here, physical touch is a gift from God. Physical touch is a gift from God. We are made from the dust. We're made from the dust. God created us and formed us. We're not some Gnostic theology some escapist theology where physical matter doesn't matter. We are Christ followers who have a Judeo-Christian worldview and understanding 
And part of that understanding is in the creation account, when there was chaos, Genesis 1 and 2, God brings order. God brings order and creates earth. You've seen some of the science and statistics behind creation. It is held together. Even Colossians says how Christ is holding all things together. Well, God's finishing touch, his his, uh, opus, if you will, of the creation account is the creation of humanity in Adam and Eve. Part of understanding physical touch is to recognize culture has perhaps twisted things in such a way we can barely understand the order of things. Genesis... We'll read chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Here is the account. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground physical matter. All the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. (laughs) This is the last verses before sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. But I was thinking about this physical touch, and all of the love languages are crucial. Culture to culture to culture, they all have different nuances, but physical touch can be the easiest to understand. Physical touch in marriage and in sexual intimacy, it's the covenant. It is the drawing close of one to another. Yes, it is the filling of a love tank. But in its healthiest state, it is the picture of the covenant that God has given to mankind. But not only in marriage, in family, the touch of a father, the touch of a mother, the touch of a child, it validates. I think deep within we all know the power. But here's what's funny. We take it for granted, but withdraw it, and you'll notice the detriment to marriages, to families, to relationships. In one study by the Stanford Medicine, or by Stanford Medicine, Julie Grecius highlights the benefits of the skin-to-skin practice between a mother and a child. It enhances babies' awareness of being loved, accepted, and safe. I saw that. I also read a bunch of other statistics, but don't want to throw those your way. I was just so struck by that. Think of that. Think of that. 
the physical touch of being loved, of being accepted, of being safe. I would approach Julie and say, I don't think it is just for babies. I think a healthy marriage, physical touch in times of crisis, holding one's spouse, drawing near to one's spouse, the comfort of an arm, the power of a hand held. It communicates love, it communicates acceptance, and it communicates safety. It's the power, if I could be transparent, it's the power of God's presence in our life. I was talking with one of our members after church and they were just, uh, last week, and they were just sharing of how they've been growing in their relationship with God and they become aware of God's presence. They will sometimes read scripture and they just have an overwhelming sense of the nearness of God. I believe God does break in and break through. I do wish it happened all the time in our quiet times, but it doesn't, and that's fine. But if you've experienced the Spirit of God in such a way, it's the reality of a physical touch, even, if you will, from God's presence, where he just, you don't know why, you wish you could forecast it or time it, but he just comes close. I felt it in in worship today. The nearness of God, and it's the nearness of God. Again, it's love that is given appropriately. What is the outcome of that? We grow in our understanding of the nature of God. We feel loved. We feel accepted. We feel safe. The same is true in our relationships. And physical touch, it communicates that. I remember many of you have had the distinct honor and privilege of meeting some of my family members. It does help that they attend church here, I will say. But um, my, my dad, I, w- I was a, uh, a lot younger at the time, but he would share, um, I won't share my nickname that he gave me. Um, it was one of the characters from the Garfield comic strip. I'll just leave it there. And we grew up, we actually went to the same school in Cape Town, South Africa, called Rondebosch. It's an all-boys preparatory school. Think Dead Poet Society, um, except for me, younger. All the structure, all the discipline. You were groomed, if you will, in the South African way, which for us at, in that season with our heritage, I should say the British way. And I don't know why, I just thought, hey, I'm going to walk around in my family. I would just walk up to my mom, give her a big hug, just say, hey, I love you, I love you. I don't know, they must have had a great intercessory time because I don't know where that started happening, but it did. I would just walk up to my dad and give him a big hug and say, I love you, dad. And he's like, I love you, son. Well, he communicated one time, and I remember because it it was fun for me to hear. I'm like, just like me, dad, I'm going to stretch you. But it didn't come naturally to him. That wasn't the the, the British way. Y'all, the British way, we've crossed a lot of boundaries today. You don't greet one another. It's, it's, it's. It's pomp and circumstance. It's very proper. It's very children are seen but not heard. Some of y'all are being very enticed right now with the British way of life. All right, I get, I get to. And I would just run up, hey, Dad, I love you. I love you. But can I tell you, in our families, in our friendships, we need to be keenly aware. 
And we honor and we walk appropriately. We need to steward that gift is my second thought. Come on. You, ain't not, you don't need to be kissing some people. Some people, they don't need that hug. But there's power. There's power in the physical touch. And, and theologically, I wanted to continue to remind us and build a case for that. Steward, this second thought, steward physical touch as a new creation in Christ Jesus. As a new creation in Christ Jesus. Physical touch can be very difficult, demanding, because for some, it was misused, misstewarded, and represents brokenness, fear, grief, disappointment. When abuse is on the scene, when sexual abuse is on the scene, it's very real. It's not God's plan. It's not God's ordaining. He weeps and grieves with you. In my ministry, I've seen it requires a long season of patience, a long season of inner healing. Sometimes it can be quick, but there's patience needed in there. And so for us, if you will, we leave our broken lives behind as we come into Christ. As Paul would say, in Christ we are a new creation. Part of that is our wiring. We are now able, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to give love appropriately. And we can be growing. We don't just automatically get it like the matrix, right? Boop in the back of the head and we just know it all. No. We have to be transformed and cultivate that through prayer. Through being tethered, walking in that abiding relationship with Christ. But He will. If we will be faithful, He is faithful and He equips us to steward love Well, I've seen individuals from very broken places continue to put one foot in front of the other and God do a tremendously transformative, restorative work in their life so that once where abuse was given by the shed blood of Jesus, the demonic cycle is broken. And as they step into their life in Christ, healing is given wholeness is given. That's one of the critical things about the love languages. We are depositing healthy love. Amen? We are depositing true love. We are depositing what God intended. There's no question in my mind that the enemy got a hold of physical touch and has twisted and sexualize the culture to leave many confused and dazed and with no vision. I don't encourage you, steward this area well in your life. As a single adult, by God's grace, and tremendous amounts of intentionality, we're able to steward this well in my life. My wife was as well. I want to encourage you, God's grace is deep and is wide. If you have a track record of physical touch, being in a broken place and a sinful place, my words are simple. Repent and move forward in Christ. Repent and move forward in Christ. You don't know this yet, but be grateful. It's Pastor Paul and not the Apostle Paul. 
Because the Apostle Paul, oh, I just so happen to have a few of his words right before me. You're welcome. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. This is going to land great. Okay, everybody, just, just have a couple inches. Lean right now. Just lean in. Just that. I want to see you move just a little bit. Paul opens. Verse 18. Flee! Flee! Flee, flee, flee. Flee, 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 flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Nah, it's not that big. Okay. We got some people who tell you, yeah, it is that big of a deal. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It's crucial. Song of Solomon. Yeah, we're all glad Solomon's not here to share from Song of Solomon, aren't we? All right. Song of Solomon 8.3.4. It gives us a great, 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 great seed of thought. Don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe. Three big words, and you're ready. And you're ready. It's God's design. It's not God, you know, as teenagers, as young adults, desire is birthed and passionate and affection and all these things that begin swirling around. It's all a gift from God. And if physical touch is your love language, It's your favorite gift from God. God's not like, ooh, how did that happen? Who came up with this plan? Especially in marriages. What what are they doing? No, God is fully aware it is a gift from God for mutual desire and the fulfillment thereof. It's remarkable. It's a gift from God, but here's what I like to say. It comes with some parameters and some guardrails. The beauty is the grace of God is deep. Final thing I'll say, the grace of God is deep. Know that the mercy of God goes before you. But be intentional to set up proper boundaries and walk forward. Finally, we'll end. One thought, and I'm done. This is a thought for all of the love languages. This is the thought for all five of them. Clear and authentic Communication. Clear and authentic communication. Let me speak for a brief second, just a brief second. I just want to zone in for a moment. Marriage partners, it's unfair to your spouse to be able to communicate with best friends or family members about your unfulfilled needs and not communicate clearly and authentically with your spouse. It's unfair. It sows seeds of discord and disunity. Push through, lean into whatever awkwardness you may think there is to come out the other side of open, honest, 
clear communication. From day one of this series, I've said we've got to cultivate love well. Part of loving our spouse well is in an appropriate, kind, compassionate, Jesus-like form of communicating needs that we have. Don't assume just because y'all came on a Sunday and heard the five love languages, you good and your spouse got it. No statistics show me on the way out. They didn't get it. All right, so y'all talk. (laughs) Communicate. Push through any insecurities. Push through any broken patches. I've sometimes, especially on this fifth one, Paul, I didn't quote it, but he gets into it in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. He says, man, keep coming together. Stay close. Don't let the enemy form a breach in your relationship, especially in the area of physical touch. But Paul would say time and time and time again to communicate clearly, honestly, authentically. It cultivates a healthy family and relationship. I'm telling you, it could be a game changer. And be patient as your spouse. Come on, I know the feeling. You may think, I know y'all think I'm perfect. I don't know how many times I got to tell you. The silence spoke volumes. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I know what the ego punch feels like. All right? I know what it feels like when you think you're operating in all the different love languages. I know what the ego punch can feel like. Great sound advice for you. Get over it and love well. Get over it. If your spouse comes to you, they're a little edgy, a little angry. If your child comes to you, a little edgy, a little angry. If a friend comes to you, a little edgy, a little angry. Don't build a wall. Well, if they had communicated that way, don't build a wall. Hear the truth, and the Holy Spirit can bring you peace and show you how to love well. Sometimes the best truth I have ever heard made me feel awful in the moment. (laughs) There's nothing like being a, a great dad. I'm not arrogant. I feel like I'm a really great dad. There's nothing like that. And then missing, sewing into your children because of a busy schedule for a few days and realizing, ooh, I'm missing it, and having to re-engage. But can I tell you, we can lay that to the side, and through the power of the Spirit, we can love our children, love our friends, love our spouses well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've got a vision before us. Heavenly Father, we have a glimpse into our future as we've partnered with you to love others well. Father, we see families soaring. Father, we see marriages thriving. God, we see singleness as a beautiful portion 
in this season. We lack nothing because you are our good shepherd. Father, as we look into the future, we know there's no place our foot treads that you are not there helping us, leading us, coaching us, convicting us, and empowering us by your Spirit. And Father, I pray for every person here. I pray, God, that they would have an encounter with you and the calling that you have placed on their life. Father, we are in a culture where relationships are just a means to an end. Father, from a young age, the systems, the principalities of the culture we live in, they demand from us performance. They demand from us success. They demand from us, God, wealth. And Lord, all they do is take and take. And Father, in the midst of it all, our priorities can get confused. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see the need to love those closest to us as you have chosen to love us, God. Father, I pray against distraction. Father, I pray against the priorities, God, that have been confused or shifted. Father, as you say in Revelation, God, return us to our first love. Some of us, that's got to be the word over our marriage. Return us to our first love. God, for some parents here, return us, God. Give us a grace again. Give us a peace again. Equip our hands for shaping and cultivating the life of our children. Those, Lord, in their singleness, God, give them great grace, Lord. May they walk boldly and not with a shadow of insecurity or fear or anxiety, but may they step in in this season, God, just as that season years ago with me, God, that you said, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. The promises in your heart I will fulfill, but be settled with the season you're in. Father, may we not move ahead, but may we stay on course and in step with your spirit. You're so good, God. You're so good. Thank you for this series of equipping us, giving us the tools we need to deposit well into the relationships around us. We love you, God. Hey, just with our eyes closed and our head bowed. God really loves you. God really loves you. He welcomes you home. If you ever are wondering about the nature of God on your worst day, in your deepest regret. He's smiling and he's got his arms open and he's telling you, I love you, I forgive you, it's time to come home. It's the nature of our God. He doesn't rejoice, he doesn't applaud, but as a father grieves over their child, so God's heart grieves over us. I want to let you know, in this service, to my right and to my left, another song of worship will be played. You can come forward and talk with one of our team members. All you can say is, God's calling me home. 
Home doesn't mean this church. Home doesn't mean new membership at this church. Home means to the family of God. Don't run anymore. Don't postpone or procrastinate anymore. This is the moment. This is the season to know and experience God's love. So I want to invite you. Say this with me, this prayer. God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Forgive my past. I give you my present and my future. All of my sin, God. Forgive me. By the blood of Jesus, forgive the multitude of sin and cover it with your love. Thank you, God, for the hope that is found in you. I invite you in to be Lord and King. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.